Hello and welcome to episode three of To The Studio. Today's guest is Zoe Marden. Zoe is an artist, curator and writer. She was born and raised in Hong Kong and is now currently based in London. She works with performance, video, text, sound, sculpture and installation to create alternate worlds and speculative futures. Her work is research focused and is concerned with intersectional feminism and where it overlaps with the post-colonial. Her intimate performances play with the voice, activating soundscapes of desire and vulnerability, and her more recent projects have been investigating the mythologies of witches and mermaids and their resonance within contemporary culture. I had the pleasure of catching up with Zoe in her incredibly picturesque studio in central London. We chat through the complexities of her heritage, the importance of collage and failure, all the way through to the many unknown wonders of monster sex. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Here it is. Hey Zoe. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. Um, this has got to be one of... Sorry, there aren't any notes. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. We're going to keep that in. <laughs> Are you chatting to Siri? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start again. Uh, this, so I, I, I should say for, for the listeners, we are on the 19th floor of a building in Houston and the sun is setting on London and I've never been in a romantic setting in a in a studio before it's mad it is pretty mad to be honest I'm definitely not used to it I feel like it's the perspective of London that you never ever get to be honest it's yeah it's it's quite something I, I think I'd struggle to make work up here I'd just be looking out the window the whole time or maybe I'll just start making landscaping and like just <laughs> <laughs> becoming like a London skyline portrait painter. It'll be hard not to. It'll be hard not to. <laughs> but how are you doing? How, what, what, uh, what have you been up to today? Today, I haven't, I, to be honest, I've just been running around doing errands because I've been in Hong Kong until yesterday and I'm just kind of trying to reconfigure and get back into a rhythm. Does it take you long to do that? Yeah, it takes me so long. I'm actually quite... I also underestimate, first of all, how long um, going away takes me to reconfigure while I'm away and then when I return. And I'm always like, oh, stop doing that. You need to like just stay in the studio. Because I always forget that when I come back, it takes me like a week to like figure out my space and then like sit and mm. like think about what I want to make and... I mean, to be honest, I'm actually, I feel at a kind of turning point or a crux point with my work at the moment that I have a project that's kind of sort of coming to an end and then a new one that's blooming. So it's one of those like awkward, stressful beginning zones where you're mm. like, what am I doing? Does this make sense? Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's even more stressful to be like in the midst of like reconfiguring. Yeah. What are you sensing is changing in in the work that's going on? Mm, I think I think I'm trying to focus more on the research, and I suppose my work tends to come from a lot of like reading and writing, um, and processing. And I think I also have a tendency to like 
kind of roll with things and like do back-to-back performances and that also sometimes is quite dynamic and like helpful Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's easily swings one way so I'm like doing too many performances and then it's quite like draining and then you're like do I need to be doing them do they make sense Mm. should I stop and like think which is what I'm trying to do I always find that very hard to stop and think Mm -mm. sometimes if you're on a roll so yeah I'm and I've also I I also have a collaborative um, project um, called Campervan. And so that also takes up a lot of time and we do a lot of like curatorial kind of organizing and programming. Um, so I'm kind of trying to balance all of that at the moment and, and trying to be quite militant <laughs> about time, to be honest, cause which mm. I have such a hard time doing mm. um, to make sure that I have all of that kind of like procrastination reconfiguring like thinking where you're not actually making which always takes up way too much time. <laughs> yeah um so so camper van um for anyone who doesn't know about camper van um could you yeah could you talk a bit a little about about that yeah so that started with um my friend uh samuel dueck and finton moran it was Samuel's um, degree show project at the RCA in architecture, and he remodeled a camper van to create a traveling queer performance space. Um, and so he f- finished it in 2016, and then me and Fintan kind of came on board and started programming events with him, um, which we've been doing for three years. Wow. Maybe four. Yeah. Actually, no, three. <laughs> Wait, it feels like forever. When did it? So it started. When did it start? When, yeah, September. right. Yeah, yeah. I obviously so can't do three and three and a bit. Three and a, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> um, yeah. So we've done. We've been doing quite a lot of stuff with that, um, and it feeds into my own practice as well. And I think, in terms of my performance practice, um, having that stage to try things out on has been really helpful um as well as um like uh, curatorially kind of shaping performance events and mm-hmm. also working with other performers has also been really helpful because actually in terms of my process as an artist i didn't do my ba in fine art i did history of art and then i kind of started making work and like curating um And I used to run a project space in in Barcelona before I moved here, which was like seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So I basically was like, my art practice was something that was more in the background um, or something that I couldn't quite commit to in some way. Like it it felt really difficult at that time to commit to making work. I don't know, maybe it was I was scared or I felt like I was good at curating. So that was what I was meant to do. (laughs) Um... And then I did a master's in curating at Goldsmiths. And it wasn't until after I finished the master's, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> what, what kicked that off? Why? Yeah, yeah. I think just f- facilitating so many people's amazing projects. Um, and not that it wasn't fulfilling curatorially, like it really was. Like I really enjoyed the kind of organizational process, but... I just missed making my own stuff like I I think I wouldn't like 
I wouldn't acknowledge that I missed it that much and then it kind of just got more and more and more and then I was like okay if I don't do this now then I'm never gonna do this Mm. um so I think like I really committed to like art practice quite late in the in the typical scheme of things I suppose Mm. um yeah so it was like I finished a whole degree like was working independently as a curator for like many years doing projects and then I was like wait what kind of what kind of projects were you up to like um they were mostly so like i i ran this gallery in in spain for two years Mm. which was a kind of artist-run space um that we worked with kind of artists that were still in uni and it was very like collaborative so there was like a group of us that would kind of conceptualize projects and then bring them together but then i was like in charge of the space so like you know like making sure it ran, like making sure it was clean, making sure we had like other kind of funding streams, mm-hmm. like running a bar, like, um, you know, like doing all the logistics yeah, kind of yeah, stuff yeah. as well, as well as like inviting artists to do shows and then curating the shows and stuff like that. Mm. But I was just basically making up as I went along. I literally had no idea what the <laughs> fuck I was doing at all. Like I literally... And I, I made so many mistakes. Some of the shows are horrific. Um, maybe a lot of them. Maybe all of them. I don't know. Um, and then that was why I applied to Goldsmiths because I was like, I need to make sense of this. Like, I need to understand what the kind of conceptual and theoretical legacy to all of this stuff that I'm doing in a quite instinctual way, like where it came from. And and I arrived like at Goldsmiths and I was like, wow, there's like a whole kind of like six million books written around (laughs) you know kind of participatory art and Mm. like socially engaged practice and and suddenly i was like wow it makes sense um yeah so that was kind of the kind of shows that i was working on they were they were quite like workshop performance uh kind of involved community stuff i suppose yeah Mm. so then um, after having a foot in organising that kind of thing, um, yeah, where did you start off with, like, you, you said it might have been kind of in the background and you were thinking about it, but where did that, yeah, how did your work kind of start to form after leaving, yeah, after leaving Goldsmiths? So after Goldsmiths, I basically um, decided, like, I was like, I feel I felt terrified, to be honest. I found it really, really scary. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what do I know how to do? What makes me feel good? And I started making collages. Um, so I basically just spent, like, months and months making collages. <laughs> <laughs> what were they from? Just, like, from magazines. I, mm. I have, like... As you can see, yeah, there's a lot about a lot of magazines. <laughs> I, I don't, I yeah, I just have a huge collection of magazines, and I find like the actual act of making collage very kind of calming and meditative, and yeah. So and it was it was less that I wanted to show anyone them. Mm-hmm. Like it was more like maybe if I do this for long enough, something will make sense. Yeah, and then something will come out of it. Um, and then I got a studio in, um, I was living in Peckham at the time and I got a studio in cell projects in South Bermondsey. Yeah. Um, and I literally sat in the corner of my studio for like four months making collages and eventually (laughs) (laughs) 
something started making sense and mm. then the collage just expanded to like more sculptural pieces and um and there was always like a performance kind of element in the background and then I just kind of from there started making these performances as well so what um you said they started to make sense um, maybe not though well yeah would not make sense like you know fully but what was yeah what what did you what was something that you found found in the work that was exciting or that was there something that was like yes something in particular was like yes this is what I want to follow um thematically I feel like I always have a lot of things that I'm concerned with that I work through with the with the work and maybe that was less what I was worried about it was more like am I capable of doing this right okay more and at the time and like so my dissertation at the RCA was mm. um I've always been very interested in like kind of pagan practices and I wrote my dissertation on the burning times and the persecution of of witches in in Europe in the 15th to 15th to the 16th century mm. um and so like that has been always been something that I've been looking at yeah um and so that was kind of what I was concerned with and what was coming through the collages and and in a way like the collages aren't collages that I show they're more like they had to be made to get to the next step yes they're kind of facilitators in some way exactly yeah okay like I have stacks of them that like will never see the light of day really I'd love to see some no (laughs) did you still make them I haven't actually in a while and I'm thinking of maybe just doing going back to that for a bit just Mm. to kind of because it sounds like maybe in the in this kind of gap between mm. maybe old and starting something new it might be a nice yeah might be a nice like touchstone for that I think you're right because I think also because I, I unearthed all of these magazines which I haven't had in a while they've been in storage um, and I was like oh yeah what about these things <laughs> I guess it must be like looking at an old photo like an old family photo album or something yeah like past memories that's yeah I mean, it was quite like thinking about it now, you know, like I literally was, I didn't even have furniture in the studio. I was like on the floor, surrounded by mags, you know, like just like mm. cutting shit up. Yeah. And it was like, it was, I don't know what, why the process for me to like commit to being an artist and commit to that process, I found it incredibly difficult. Like the whole thing was hard for me. And, looking back at it now I'm like wow like I really managed to get through that and Mm. somehow that meditative cutting of paper was just something that really cut through the bullshit Mm. no pun intended yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you mentioned you know you mentioned um your dissertation at the the RCA Mm. um and and yeah your research into like witches and that pagan kind of stuff Mm. um yeah is has that been something like from in in your your performances now is that kind of research still quite heavily yeah still quite heavily based in that in that kind of thing um i think i've been looking at like um sort of like mythology so i was looking at like mythologies around um like mythologies and histories so like there's Mm. a lot of like myths that come out of this kind of idea of the witch and and i suppose my interest in in what that means today in terms of like gender politics and and like gendered roles and like um the kind of feminist legacy of that and of those persecutions and Mm -hmm. 
I feel like that research is definitely something that I'll always be interested in. I'll always come back to. And like another project that I'm still in the midst of developing is um, kind of looking more specifically around um, the witch trials in Scotland. And my mum is from Scotland and her, you know, her mother, my grandmother and her great grandmother, they're all like really quite fascinating women. And I feel in some ways we're kind of persecuted for for not conforming to certain understandings of of women of their day mm-hmm. um in the way that witches did as well and so that those kinds of stories are something that has always i felt like really important to me because i feel like understanding those stories throughout history brings light to today mm-hmm. um and it I, I suppose that's something that you hear like you know like unearthing the untold story mm. um and so I think those narratives are something, and also like kind of this idea of how um, female identity has myth- been mythologized, whether it be with witches, and then my next project was about sirens and mermaids and selkies mm. and thinking about those myths and what those myths mean today um, is something I'm still kind of figuring out. And yeah. then I suppose it comes from that research and then through that like i write texts and those texts um become performances and maybe those performances become videos and vice versa yeah so it's quite yeah so it seems it's quite a free-flowing practice um yeah which seems quite exciting because i think for me especially as someone outside of as just like a, a painter who really just draws and draws and paints as an outsider one might be forgiven for assuming well not for assuming but wondering how a performance might come into being Mm. um and and yeah i mean it's it's kind of fascinating to know that it's it still has a foot in quite in in making and that kind of um in the sense of that kind of raw just like pen to pen to paper or hand cutting up and disseminating things um Mm. yeah yeah, I mean, I think a lot of my stuff in life comes from lists. <laughs> I'm like an obsessive list maker, and I've just discovered that Google has like a, a task list app. That sounds something I'd be into. Really excited about. Yeah. I've, just, I've just like started on it today, so I'm like, mm. wow. Though, I mean, I don't think I could ever get away from. I have like endless and endless, endless notebooks where I write like you know like work lists like life admin lists art lists art drawings like art ideas Mm. and they all kind of merge together and and i like have like a notebook every two months a new one so i've like got like stacks of them how do you sift how do you manage to sift through do you sift through that in the end um i don't sift i sift through the the the, like the one i'm on Mm -hmm. so i'll like before i finish it I'll go through and check that, you know, I, if there's stuff that's unfinished, I'll move it to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure loads gets lost in the ether, to be honest, but maybe that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're in your studio now, obviously. Um, and there's, yeah, there's some fun things lying around. (laughs) Um, there's some, are they lamps? Are they lamps on the table? They're actually Lotus. They're actually amazing. They're, I got them in, in Hong Kong last year. Um, and I just love them as objects. 
I've never really used I've kind of thought about using them in shows but I haven't they haven't actually made sense yet um but they're they're so amazing they're they're these lotus lamps that you plug in and they like spin and then you turn them on and they play the radio they play like four different types of songs but like no way. different like Chinese songs <laughs> so it's it's quite yeah they're quite amazing did you and spin did, as well did, did you pick them up from are they from Hong Kong yeah yeah I brought them from Hong Kong yeah we haven't yeah we haven't place. yeah we haven't talked about that much yet so yeah. you've just you've just got back from Hong Kong right I just got back from Hong Kong which is where I grew up um yeah it was both of my parents are English but both were born in Hong Kong um, and I went to school there. I went to um, a bilingual school, um, like an international school that was Chinese and English. Mm. Um, and yeah, like for me, that's that's my home, and like that's kind of where I go for Christmas. And mm-hmm. like my friends that I grew up with, a lot of them are still there. Um, I normally go back two to three times a year. Um, and yeah and actually for my last project at the rca when we're talking about um mythology there's a specific myth um about this creature which is half human half fish which was kind of what initiated my whole the video uh, yeah the video um that i made um basically there's this creature called the loating which was kind of co-opted by this quite famous curator from Hong Kong called Oscar Ho mm. and he curated a show in 1997 which was the year of the handover so it was the end of um, colonial rule um, and Hong Kong was returned to mainland China and so he made this um, exhibition all about the loting and kind of used this uh, mythological creature as a way to kind of reimagine um, a history and a future for Hong Kong and like kind of as a stand-in to like be able to talk about things that were quite complicated and difficult and um and i i kind of in some ways like kind of co-opted that legacy yeah um and it's it's something that artists in hong kong specifically have been responding to over the years like mm-hmm. there was a show in 2017 where um artists responded to the loting myth um, and made work about it. So it's kind of become this like art world myth in a way, mm. which I find really interesting. So there's like all these layers of of kind of reinterpretation or reimagining of like what this myth can do for like how we can understand Hong Kong um, and talk about complicated political things through, some, through something that um, can be quite magical, I think. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like I was kind of trying to use that as a way to understand the complex, the complexities of like my identity and my relationship with like growing up in you know a colony um, as as a, a a white British person in Asia um, and trying to like make sense of that I suppose. Mm. Do you do you feel like you have made sense of it? God no! <laughs> Literally, have no idea. It's a total mess. No sense has been made at all. <laughs> well, maybe that sense in itself. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's yeah. I mean, I think it's also like being for me anyway to like to be able to acknowledge my privilege within that context and mm. like 
you know, within the kind of hierarchies of power and hierarchies of colonialism and understanding neo-colonialism and being able to address like that or try, I don't know if I even address that or something. Yeah. I, I hope to try and figure out a way that mm, I can address yeah. that in my yeah, work. Yeah, for sure. But I, yeah, at this point, I'm still kind of muddling through. Mm. Do you feel like it's something that you do, that you do want to? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think it's 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 really sensitive and and like complicated. And I yeah. think sometimes maybe it's not for me to address that. Um, and that's why I think also working within mythologies is quite helpful because you can kind of approach um, kind of charged political um, context in a way that um, maybe is more sensitive or. Um, kind of calling back to a different like time mm. as well mm. but yeah i don't know, <laughs> I really know <laughs> because um in quite a lot of your work you use like the mermaid mm. um yeah and that comes up a lot in your work would you say yeah would you say you use the mermaid as a means of maybe because no. i think what is quite fascinating about the mermaid is the this kind of like hybridity so it's like a half human half fish mm. and and there's a lot of like writing around um the kind of post-human and like donna haraway talks about it and in the mm. cyborg manifesto and rosie bray dotty also talks specifically about um the mermaid and and i think this kind of non-humanness is um kind of helpful in Mm. a way and i think i think i suppose like the the histories or or like the ideas that people have immediately when when one talks about a mermaid yeah um and like the little mermaid as the disney film like is immediately what comes to your mind and Mm. that was something that was very very important for me growing up was something that i watched you know a lot yeah yeah, probably a lot of people and like how problematic it is like a lot of disney films um you know like this per- and and interestingly there's a lot of writing about how um trans people are so like relate to the mermaid in the sense that um the mermaid wants to transform into another into a human from from a mermaid and mm. this idea of not feeling like you fit in your own body um but at the same time like the whole film conforming to kind of gendered stereotypes and and like heteronormative expectations of of marriage and the prince and all of that kind Mm. of stuff which is you know like poisonous for kids minds um but yeah i don't know i think i think the mermaid is 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 such a hypnotic figure like hypnotic in the sense that like it really was hypnotic in you know like in homer's odyssey like the sirens kind of hypnotized the sailors and Mm -hmm. they like you know were lured to death on the rocks in that sense like there is like real violence there which which is um quite fascinating but then the kind of like hyper sexualized aspect which is also um this kind of duality like the violence like sex and violence yeah all in one yeah um and in your or in the most recent performances that I've seen of yours um, I think you mentioned the title it's quite a long one Ursula's Tentacles Are Staying with Donna Haraway's Trouble yeah right yeah right 
<laughs> I was like, genius, this yeah, is the yeah. best title ever. And everyone's like, what the fuck? This is so long. <laughs> um yeah maybe you could maybe you could talk about a bit about that performance in particular because it's it, it was such or well, for me it was such an ambitious piece of work because it has, it has so many moving elements um and obviously it's quite deep rooted in in research in terms of the is it donna i'm gonna get it wrong donna haraway donna haraway mm-hmm. yeah so there's yeah it's quite rooted in in in, in that but then there's also yeah the, the playing with the idea of a mermaid that kind of thing mm. yeah maybe you could talk a bit yeah, about, about yeah. That, yeah. Um, I think that kind of led quite um, like smoothly from my d- dissertation research and yeah. then um, you know like Ariel and the Little Mermaid and Ursula are kind of this prototype or stereotype of like the virgin and the whore the evil and the good and you know the fact that Ursula is kind of like huge and abundant mm-hmm. and scary and like the body and um fulfills a lot of of those stereotypes and and then at the same time i discovered that um divine who is um a a famous drag queen who's in john waters films um most famously in filth where she eats uh, a dog shit from the street um anyway she's amazing (laughs) he's amazing Mm. um and Ursula was based on Divine. Oh wow, really? Yeah, the it's it's like written the the designers or like the illustrators were mm. looking at Divine and you, if you look at the images it looks so it's so obvious. Because there, there were images of that in yeah, in, in the videos in, for that performance, yeah. right? Yeah. So in in that work I was kind of I suppose it was like this merging of like of of various different kind of research strands um in and I suppose like in the performance you get like a kind of I suppose like a, a sprinkling of that mm. that's like this kind of abstracted um collaged version of mm. of that kind of quite long long term research. Yeah. And I suppose interestingly, the whole collage acts aspect I think is something that is always part of the work. Mm. Um when it especially with like the video editing. Yeah, right. Like, there's a lot of overlapping and um the way that i think about the work is very much about like how things overlap and come together so if it's kind of sculptures um and video and audio and then movement they all kind of i suppose i see them in the as these kind of like overlapping planes Mm. in a way um and in that in that project especially um because was the one that you saw the one in 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 Kensington that was in the gallery? I I've seen it. I've been in. I've seen the one you did in Hong Kong. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing with the work is that I feel like I re. It's basically like almost like a new version of a work that kind of reconfigures within different spaces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like. I'll re-edit the video and like reconfigure the performance and maybe the the, the movement to make it very site specific. Mm. Um, but it's almost like it's the same work, and then the work changes when I make when I do it again and again. Like, but then I, I never know when to stop or like when it's enough or when it's you know it's kind of concluded. So that sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I stop too early that maybe like through the performing of it, like you unearth 
something in mm. the work that you hadn't seen before. But funnily enough, I actually did that performance or a version of that performance in um, this advertising conference. Um, it was like a, it was this conference in a, in like a church, and um, there was like three hundred people who were like all in like the realm of like the creative industries, whatever that means. Mm. Um, and I had there was like a stage. And I performed on stage. <laughs> it was fucking nuts. <laughs> I literally have never experienced anything like it. There was like tables and tables of people all sitting and like watching. And they'd all just basically from nine in the morning. Yeah. Also, there was like 250 quid a ticket. What? <laughs> I bet. I, I basically think it was companies who like sent people there for like equality and diversity purposes oh really yeah and like then got like tax breaks or whatever <laughs> or like they got to tick those boxes yeah. or maybe they just had that money and that's mm. actually a normal amount of money to pay for a conference i have no idea <laughs> but they paid me really well yeah more than any art galleries <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> to be honest so i was like yeah why not yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that's another thing with performance is that the location, the space, the energy, the people, the audience. I'm I'm always up for like trying a new space because mm. I feel like you learn a lot from how people respond. Yeah, right. So are you do you go into the space and then do you rehearse when you go into the space or is it more when you're doing the performance you kind of intuitively Sometimes you don't you you can't have access to the space. Mm. That's the thing. Mm. It's I think the more that I, the more I do this, the more I'm able to kind of react in the moment and work with what I've got. Yeah. I think and like that, I suppose just comes with time and like, I have a tendency to like make myself do things that really terrify me, that make me feel extremely uncomfortable. Mm. And, and especially with performance, like doing that, I was like terrified. I also memorized the entire thing from start to wow. end. Which is like a ten, just like a twelve-minute-long text, and and also it was like really bright. Yeah, <laughs> it was a conference, mm. and I was like wearing a like full costume, and like you know my projection was like as if it was someone you know giving a a talk like just above me, mm. you know, like it was I had none of the things that I would want to have in a performance, and yeah. But how was it received? I don't know. I think it just blew. I think people were just like so shocked. <laughs> they just yeah. didn't know what to do. They were like, whoa, what the fuck is that? Um, when I started like yelling, the pussy and the pescada, the pussy. And they were like, what is she doing? <laughs> um, but weirdly, actually, they emailed me to ask if they could put the recording of it on, on their website. Really? And I was a bit like, do I want it on their website? Or not? I don't know. Did you go? Did you did you go on it? Well, I, I they literally emailed me yesterday. Oh right, okay. I don't know. I feel like maybe why not? Who cares? Yeah. Like if someone like someone from the advertising world sees it and feels and <laughs> you know intrigued by it, why not? <laughs> but yeah, that was probably hands down the weirdest. Yeah. I also like it was in the afternoon and I went on my own, so I had no like. Normally, I have like a person or like friends or like backup to be like yeah well that yeah at the end i was like 
Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll go and get Bye. changed. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you mentioned that you're not um, you're not afraid really of of, of pushing yourself and um, and yeah, trying out new things or or yeah, however or whatever the case may be. Um, so, and I guess what comes under that umbrella is like the the fear of, of failure and how might one kind of deal with that mm. um yeah how 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 do you how do you deal with the failure, the failure. <laughs> oh my god funnily enough there's an amazing podcast that i listen to which is all about failure really um it's by elizabeth day I oh how yeah I yeah day. yeah yeah she yeah she's fantastic she's great um and weirdly there's this whole sex so for one for camper van mm. we did this like um european tour which was kind of insane mm. and then we made or sam samuel my collaborator who makes documentaries made like a short and there's like a whole section of me like musing about how failure is so important and like we all need to fail mm. more and yeah, failures yeah. <laughs> i mean obviously you don't really want to fail in front of someone mm. on like a podium but when you do you I feel like in some ways it's it just it just makes you feel that it's not so bad after all. Mm. I, I don't know. Like there have definitely been loads of performances where I've like royally fucked up, but then most <laughs> of the time no one notices no. because you only fuck up to yourself. Mm. And maybe it wasn't as good as what you hoped, but yeah, I don't know. I think that failure is definitely helpful like mm. you learn way more from failure than because i feel like if i do something and, and i'm like wow that went all to plan like great i immediately forget about it <laughs> you know what i mean like you just like what's the next thing mm. but if you fuck up you're like oh agonizing <laughs> like why <laughs> um but yeah i don't know I mean, obviously failure is good for you, but no one wants to fail that much no <laughs> no no definitely not definitely not but um but yeah I mean it's I think it's a lot of people's fear especially to get up in front of a, a room and to talk to them mm. and let alone if it's something yeah if you're doing a performance that is based within stuff that you've been thinking about it for a long time mm. and that you know you may be a bit unsure of um, yeah it's uh, it's a lot to ask of yourself for sure yeah I mean I used to not speak in performances my, all of mine were like movement based I was like whoa mm. definitely not going to speak that's way too scary and then I tried it and mm. then I was like wow this is actually great like this I mean this just makes sense for the work mm. um, I suppose what I'm trying to work towards at this point like I've got them I can memorize it and that's cool but I want to be able to get to a point where the what I'm talking about or what I'm performing mm. is so kind of a part of me that I don't it's not like a memorized text because mm. a memorized text has a certain way of being delivered but I want it to be like maybe you have like touchstones yeah, right. and then you work around them and then the freedom that you have is scary because mm. like what happens if you forget mm. and then you're screwed but I suppose it's kind of almost like stand up in a way you know, like you have the jokes. Mm. Not that I would ever just stand up. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think. I think also like putting yourself through those kind of scary 
experiences like just makes you feel yeah um alive and capable mm. yeah so um through through the camper van is that a, would you say that's a platform for you to maybe ex- experiment a little bit more yeah in some ways like the the limitations of the stage is is a really small stage mm-hmm. um so you have to work with that which is kind of um kind of great in a way like not having like having to you know like figure out or configure something in that space yeah to be honest though it is i often or like we often curate and perform and curating and performing is quite exhausting like you're dealing with other people's stress and other people's performances and you want to make them feel comfortable and that always for me feels like it takes priority and then i just like pull a performance out the bag um sometimes if it's so i think it's difficult with that sometimes in terms of doing both at the same time but i think it is in some ways like we've kind of created quite a nice community of people who are really supportive and yeah. it's it feels safe in some ways to perform there mm. like you feel like even if you do fail and fuck it up then people will still be like yeah cool yeah right yeah and be supportive because that's something else i wanted to ask you about as well because especially if you're traveling around europe i wanted to ask maybe how how it how it was re- received in every mm. location and and how that shifted or, or did it? Yeah, it really did, actually. It was totally hilarious how we planned it. Like, it <laughs> came about... Basically, I was in I was in Zurich the year before, and I was doing this performance um, during Manifesta. Yeah. And I had a friend who lived there, and, and he was like, oh, you have to meet my brother. And then I showed him some of the pictures of a camper van, and he was like, oh, my God, we're doing a festival. You should come. Mm. And I was like, yeah, cool. And like, it's Switzerland, so they have budget. And we were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wicked. Um, and then the budget was like 2,500 pounds or something. Mm. And so we were like, let's do the whole, let's just do a whole tour and like use that money to cover the whole tour. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need 2,500 pounds to get to Switzerland. Yeah. And then it kind of like expanded into this. <laughs> Um, full-on European tour, and then we actually managed to get um, support from Grinder. Really? Yeah. How did that come about? Samuel was working for Grinder, okay, um, and he was making uh, content for them, mm-hmm. and so he proposed this this project, and they were like, they basically gave us enough money so we had we could pay for a director of photography and all the equipment. So we wow. like rented like full kind of like sound filming equipment mm. and we went um all around europe in sam's vw golf pulling the camper van <laughs> there was like sam me and then my sister came as second camera Quentin, wow. and jojo who was der- like three in the back two in the front for two and a half weeks that's madness. Yeah. We almost like, we were like, oh my God, is it even going to move? Yeah. We like all got in and we were about to like drive to the, Euro- to, to, to like get the, whatever, it's not the Eurostar, the, the car one. The tunnel. The, the, tunnel. Yeah, the Euro tunnel. The car one. And then we were like, oh my God, what if it doesn't move? <laughs> Shit. You didn't break down though, no? It was, it was all good? It was all good. good. But it took like triple the amount of time that we expected to get yeah. anywhere. So we were always like rocking up like 6 a.m., and then performing that night and like not sleeping and it was 
probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Like literally fulfilled all of my like going on tour dreams. Wow. Um, Give me some of the best. Uh, if you can remember. The best. <laughs> well, well, some of the most memorable. I shouldn't say the best. Or yeah, or, or, or things or things that you remember or things that might have surprised you maybe. I mean, it was just it was just like the the kindness and like mm. the the fact that people were so excited that we were there really threw us we were like <laughs> wow thanks um and and like yeah it was just like we got such basically we were like okay who do we know in what place and like maybe they'll like host us mm. and that was basically how we did it and then we like looked on google maps and we're like okay europe's not that big we can do this mm. and then we're like wait actually it's a lot bigger than we thought <laughs> um yeah, so everywhere that was supposedly six hours was like 12 because the car was moving at like 50 miles an hour because it was fucking full of equipment mm. and people. Um, but I think the the festival, which was like, it was called the Lila Queer Youth Festival and it was the first ever LGBTQ plus um, festival in Switzerland. But it was from like 16 to 20, whatever, 25 or 21 or whatever. Yeah. So it was like kids who were um, kind of figuring figuring out their sexuality and weren't out. Wow. And it was tiny. Like, it was so small. It was like there was a stage and then there was us. Mm. And, and there was like, it, and it was just a, a group of um, friends that had organized it themselves mm. and had like got funding. Oh, from, wow. That was like the cutest thing. Ever. Yeah, I bet. It was, and like we, you know, we stayed there for like four days mm. and and then, you know, there's like 250 people there. So like at the end, you know, everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we did like performances throughout the day. And I think that was a really special experience, mm. I think. And we even had friends who, who came in from London and performed, um, on the camp oh, wicked. and did like special like performances, which was really cool. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. Um, so what, yeah, what's next for, what's next for camper van? Actually, we are trying, we're like having a small hi hiatus, okay. basically, because we need um, to get funding. Mm. Yeah. Like so give them funding. Give them funding. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Cameron's falling apart. Have you got, have you got anything set up for that? Is, it, is there anywhere anyone could donate to you guys? Have you set up like a... Oh, no. No. We're not that organized. Okay. Really. But we, no, basically, we, there are fun, there's funding that we have to, we can apply for. Right. Okay. But we're all like you know, have like full-time, part-time, yeah, exactly. plus plus jobs. And, yeah. and somehow we still haven't managed to finish the proposals. Okay. And the door fell off like last month and we were like, fuck, <sighs> the door fell off. We really fucking <laughs> need to get funding now. <laughs> There's no excuse. Like we literally can't drive it. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think it's actually a good thing to have a little time out. And like, I think, we've been doing it quite nonstop and mm. I think it'll be helpful to kind of like look back and think, okay, you know, what went well, what didn't, like mm. what should we focus on? What um, shouldn't we focus on and how do we make it better or whatever? Mm. So we'll give it a watch this space. Yes. Definitely. Cool. Um, and what's, what's, yeah, what's coming up for you? Have, have, have you, like, I, I know you said that you were kind of moving into some new work and then you maybe didn't want to show as much, but is there anything that you've got? you've got coming up or um actually not really i feel like i've intent intentionally kind of like drawn a little line mm -hmm. um just in terms of 
um, just giving myself kind of headspace to not constantly be making for um, a deadline. Yeah. So I think that's what I'm I'm trying to. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose I'm like I feel like since I graduated in was last year yeah. I've had quite a lot of projects that I've been like rushing towards yeah 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 like they've been really um short um short deadlines <laughs> sorry we're having a short interlude here <laughs> I should say on the recording <laughs> time out yeah we're having a bit of time out we're having um just having a bit of a just, just being questioned <laughs> all right cool fine we will sign out. Sign out, sign out, Sorry, you really interrupted that. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what to do either. <laughs> sorry, um, the listeners, a, a strange guy to just entered the room. I'm um, whispering. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm whispering in one of my friend's ears. <laughs> yeah. um, so, sorry, sorry for interrupting. Sorry. No, um, no don't worry. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, like, yeah, reconfigure and not be rushing to a deadline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of want to try and do. Yeah, for now, um, get back into the research and the making. Um, yeah, nice. Um, I did start learning how to make um, silicon molds uh, for one of my last projects, and mm -hmm. that's something they were all so disastrous. Like, so, so they're not those. I can see some multicolored tentacles on top oh of the perspex box. Well, <laughs> I'll actually show it to you because the one in the in the um, bubble wrap is the perfect example of how the silicon mold fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it took so long. Oh. And it was so expensive, like silicon so expensive. Mm. Um, but now I know. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what not to do. Um, but yeah, I've been making these sil silicon molds of tentacles. Yeah. But you can actually, I've been looking at so there's this whole realm on the internet which I, I'm obsessed with, which yeah. is um, monster sex. So there's like you can get um, silicon dildos of like every kind of monster in the planet, like tentacles, <laughs> and like they're amazing. And you can actually just order them online, and they like come in like varying softness and like colors and sparkles and not. <laughs> So I basically was trying so to... So like you're them. working for these guys. Basically, I'm like, actually, maybe I should just get them. Yeah, yeah. Not actually, I'm like, but... <laughs> oh, like four months of trial and error and like to make this stupid thing. And I was like, actually, maybe I should just order it from Monster Sex Online. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's... I think that's what I want to try and do. Okay, cool. Well, towards the end of our podcast we i like to ask our guest two questions um i'm sorry for you on the spot but everyone's everyone has to deal with this so and but they're not bad so don't worry so the first question is um if you could swap chairs with me now mm -hmm. um and visit any artists in history living or dead um who would it yeah who would it be that you'd visit and what might you ask them oh that's a good question I immediately would visit Louise Bourgeois, 100%. That's the quickest answer that we've yeah. had on here straight away. Yeah. That's amazing. Definitely. And, and yeah, and what would you ask her? What would I ask her? Wow. I don't know. I suppose, like, um, 
why I'm why I really love her work is mm. is how you know she was like so committed to her practice and like all of her work was so ambitious and like so ahead of its time and she was like making work until she died at like age 93 you know like that's what I want to be doing I want to be making work until I die mm. when I'm 93 like I want yeah. to make <laughs> massive fucking spider sculptures <laughs> until you know to the end yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> So maybe I'd I'd be interested to know like what her where that like fire or where that kind of mm. motivation came from and I think also like you know how she because I suppose she was she was making work for a long time before people even gave a shit yeah exactly yeah and like how do you still do that mm. you know how do you continually make work um, and you know just make it because you need to mm. I suppose yeah. yeah 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 Louise Bourgeois great answer okay. question number two is um, what is the best piece of advice or something important that stuck with you um, that you've been given um, in reference to your work or just being be creative in general uh, yeah best piece of advice which I have the hardest time following <laughs> like I wish I could follow this advice is just like be militant and have a daily practice and not let anything else get in the way like I really every time I am able to do that like mm. the benefits are so visible in like everything yeah. in like my entire like world life but I feel like I also get very distracted and I do loads of things and I'm like, get really excitable about other stuff and yeah. other people. Mm -hmm. that, and I think that I'm not as good as like, like drawing boundaries as some people. Like I'm, I tend to be a bit boundaryless sometimes and that's definitely not helpful for like committing to a regular daily art practice, which I think is so necessary. Mm -hmm. But I guess in some way, you are, mm. but it's because it's not di you're not directly working on something. But maybe through all these things, yeah. these things, yeah, they seem to be feeding in. And there's so many elements to what you do. Then maybe, yeah, yeah maybe you do. Maybe you I think I also am, like tend to be like a harsh critic of myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I also am very aware of that. So I'm always like, wait a minute. Am I just being really tough on myself, or is this like well, not tough I, enough? Am I not tough enough? Literally, my constant battle in my yeah. head. I'm like, am I working too hard, or am I just slacking? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't tell. Literally, have no idea. Well, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you won't be the first. Yeah, you won't be the first to say that, or, or the last. Even yeah, you're first or the last. You'll be the first or the last to say that. Um, well, have you got anything that you'd like? Yeah, you'd like to plug, or is anything you'd like um, to draw people's attention to? I think I'm. I think for once, I'm not plugging something. I feel like I'm. I'm always plugging something. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm literally like ferocious plugger. Fine. Um, but I just like I'm just like trying to embrace not plugging and just like chilling the fuck out. Not chilling out in the sense of like not doing work, but like chilling out in the sense of just doing work. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's the perfect end then. Okay. Um, well, thanks so much, Zoe. Thanks, cheers for having us. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure, and it's so, it's been incredible with this view around us. Um, maybe we'll post it on Instagram or something when it, when when the when the episode goes out because it's really quite something. So yeah, really thank you, Zoe. That's that's really it's great. Good to chat. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
No problem. Thank you. Bye. So thank you very much for listening to us all the way through. Please find more information about what was discussed on the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, then please subscribe to the podcast. And also follow our Instagram, which we regularly update with posts about each guest and all goings on with the podcast. Also, if you can spare a moment, please leave us a lovely review and that would help us out a lot. As well as that, if you have any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us, then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. All of our details are again in the notes section of each podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.